0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the DNT podcast. My name is Dimitri Capoletti with my co host, Trent Sterling. And today we're going to be talking about a criminal who got caught all because of a chicken salad sandwich.
1: Like a salad, he got tossed in the jail. Let's get started.
0: All right, so today we're going to be talking about one of the smartest but also one of the most stupid Stupist. murderers that ever
1: existed drum roll please Robert Durst Robert Allen
0: Durst was an American real estate heir he, apparently he was the eldest son of New York City real estate magnate Seymour Durst I probably butchered his name Seymour um he gained attention as a suspect in the unsolved 1982 disappearance of his first wife, Kathleen McCormick.
1: Wait, Kathleen McCormick? Like, of the McCormick Spice Company? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're different, I'm pretty sure. So, Are we
1: sure? Because that's pretty big. <laughs>
0: um, he also gained suspicion because of the 2000 murder of his longtime friend Susan Berman and the 2001 killing of his neighbor Morris Black. So we're gonna jump right in with the disappearance of his first wife. Cue ten storytelling music. In the fall of 1971, Durst met dental hygienist Kathleen McCormick. After two dates, he invited McCormick to share his home in Vermont. She moved there in January 1972. After about a year, the couple returned to Manhattan, where they married on April 12, 1973, Durst's 30th birthday. Nine years later, McCormick disappeared on January 31, 1982. At the time of her disappearance, McCormick was a student in her fourth and final year at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in the Bronx, studying to be a pediatrician. She was only a few months short of earning her degree. McCormick was last seen by someone other than Durst on the evening of January 31, 1982 when she appeared unexpectedly at a dinner party thrown by her friend Gilbert Najami in Newtown, Connecticut. Najami noticed that McCormick was upset and was wearing red sweatpants, which Najami found odd. McCormick never dressed so casually in public. McCormick later left for her marital home in South Salem, New York, after a phone call from her husband.
1: Although the couple are known to have argued and fought that evening, Durst maintained that he placed his wife on a commuter train to New York City at Katona Station, had a drink with a neighbor, and spoke to his wife at their Manhattan apartment by telephone later that evening. Durst later admitted he just went home and went to bed. That's what I told police. Durst... Actually, how would Mr. Durst sound? He's probably... He's what? 30 at the or no wait this is from the documentary that's what I told police later told documentary filmmakers of the jinx I was hoping that would just make everything go (laughs) away that is not how he sounds at all but okay (laughs) Uh, my my head a guilty motherfucker sounds like that after McCormick had left the jammies house The two women were supposed to meet at a pub called the Lion's Gate in Manhattan. When she failed to appear, the jammy became concerned and repeatedly called the police for several days. Later that week, Durst filed a missing persons report as well. This sounds too clean cut. It's just even in a Wikipedia page, it just sounds too, (laughs) too good. Like you know, like it's like one like like there's a schedule to it. Like it's too clean cut. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it it sounds planned out and like. It's also that—that's a
1: typical killer move to be the
0: one to file the missing persons.
1: Why didn't Jamie call her husband though, like Mister Durst?
0: Why didn't she call him?
1: Yeah, when you call the husband, they just see what if, if per se the girlfriend or wife of—I I, get—I assume wife of Durst was with him. Hmm. I think we found a, another guilty conspirator. <laughs> Um Durst filed a missing person's report as well. Both a doorman and the building superintendent at the couple's apartment on Riverside Drive claimed to have seen McCormick there on February 1st, the day after she was last indisputably seen. But the doorman also said that he had seen her only from behind and from the hall half a block away and could not be certain that it was her. A private investigator hired by Durst's own criminal lawyer later reported that the doorman had said he had not seen McCormick arrive at all and may not have been working the night she disappeared. Only three weeks after Durst reported about missing, the superintendent of the Riverside Drive apartment found her possessions in the building's trash compactor. <laughs> it's How? Just a, How do you, <laughs> like... <laughs> I know uh, it's not, like, definitive okay, you are guilty, but come on, man. Like, this is just... It's lining up so well. It's...
0: Yeah, it's it's... It's crazy how like clear it seems, but just evidence wise, it's not enough, even though we can clearly see
1: how it connects. Um, And it's not like it happened at the time of the documentary where they got this information. It said only three weeks after. That's plenty of time. Yeah. Wow, bro. No faith in the judiciary system. No faith.
0: You found her possessions in the trash compactor. Who do you think put them
1: there? Like not the doorman who <laughs> was not working there. That he night. wasn't there, so <laughs> um, you know there was only one person there, according to his own testimony.
0: Yeah, and to to make matters worse, it says McCormick had been treated at a Bronx hospital for facial bruises three weeks before her disappearance. Like, come on! And she told a friend that durst beat her. She actually told someone <laughs> that this happened, but she didn't press charges over the incident.
1: Was this friend Najammy? I'm telling you, (laughs) Najammy's guilty. He didn't say shit to the police.
0: Um, McCormick asked Durst for a $250,000 divorce settlement. Instead, Durst killed her. No. Instead, Durst canceled his wife's credit card. Well, you weren't kidding. Removed, I mean, basically. Removed her name from a joint bank account and refused to pay her medical school tuition. When McCormick disappeared... Durst had been dating Prudence Farrell for three years and was living in a separate apartment. Durst initially offered $100,000 for his wife's, wife's return, then reduced the reward to 15000 Why? <laughs> why would you reduce the reward? Okay, let's let's just bear in mind. Let's just think about it this one. He's guilty. Yes. So well, we also know did. why
1: she married him. Well,
0: the thing is, he's guilty. He knows that no one's ever going to find her body. Mm-hmm. essentially he he knows that mm-hmm. so why would you then change the reward from a hundred thousand to fifteen thousand because it doesn't matter they're never going to find her anyway so like what do you that's just sus- unnecessarily
1: suspicious less money to pay himself i guess if he f- turned in the body after a while <laughs> if he's like surprise i <laughs> here she is found her body in the same trash compactor where all her belongings were in the apartment complex <laughs> In the same <laughs> complex they both lived in. How can you not? <laughs> like, if you were a prosecutor, you go, huh? Well, it couldn't have been the doorman because the doorman wasn't there. And she was only living with Mr. Durst. And the only way to get in is if you had a key. And if you get a key, you have to live there. <gasps> that could only it mean w- one thing, people. It couldn't have been him. It was a ghost <laughs> of a Um,. And he was dating, was he dating this prudence pharaoh after, like, it says when McCormick disappeared. So, like, as soon as she disappeared?
0: No, I think, like, they had already started, started dating before this all happened. Because they wanted, she wanted a divorce, and then um, she wanted money from him, and he was like, nah, and he had already started dating someone, and then she went missing.
1: Um, oh, so and she, it all had,
0: had beaten her up three weeks before.
1: So she's not a persistent gold digger. You know respect I mean? the dead, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, credit card, joint bank account, and medical school medical school tuition. I mean, it's a shame what happened to her. I wouldn't want to be chopped into little itty bitty bits and have my stuff thrown down the trash. There's a couple nice things there. <laughs> but, like, at the Let's same keep time, moving. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out the obvious. This is Wikipedia, the most unbiased <laughs> news source ever. <laughs> I'm just wow. saying. Sorry, continue. After 15,000.
0: Um, so, when one of McCormick's friends and her sister found out that she had been reported missing, they broke into her cottage hoping to find her. Instead, they found the cottage ransacked, McCormick's mail left unopened, and her belongings in the trash. It's just kind of like... Come on, people. I mean, but, okay, so after McCormick's disappearance, the New York City Police Department said that Durst had claimed to have last spoken to her when she called him at the Riverside Drive apartment. He claimed that the last time he had seen her was at Katona Station, where she was planning to board a 9.15 p.m. train to Manhattan. He also claimed that on February 4th, the supervisor at McCormick's medical school called him and said that she had called in sick on February 1st and was absent from class for the entire week. Whether or not McCormick made the call is still uncertain. Uh, But the day after Durst received the call from McCormick's medical school, he reported her as missing the police found his stories to be full of contradictions. You don't say like they were on to him. They're like, well, clearly you're <laughs> full of crap and we don't buy anything that you're saying.
1: This is bad. When the, when it matters most, the judiciary system and the police will not help you, but God forbid you have a lemonade stand without getting permission from the HOA. They're going to tear that shit down so fast. <laughs> they will uh, put a stop to that. Don't you worry. Yeah, it's crazy. Um,
0: Eight years after McCormick disappeared, Durst divorced her, claiming spousal abandonment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she abandoned you, alright. <laughs> Till until death do us part, am I right? Oh my gosh. That's in 2016, the McCormick family asked to have Kathleen declared legally dead. A request that was granted the following year. Kathleen's mother and McCormick attempted to sue Durst for a hundred million dollars alleging that he killed McCormick and deprived them of the right to bury her. McCormick's parents are now deceased. Her younger sister, Mary McCormick Hughes, also believes that Durst murdered her. The New York State Police quietly reopened the criminal investigation into the disappearance in 1999, searching Durst's former South Salem residence for their first time. Isn't that crazy? She goes missing, and 28 years later, they finally decide, hey, maybe we should search Durst's house. Like, I'm sure they have their reasoning for it, because like, we don't have all the information. There's probably some reason that they didn't, but it just seems like that should have been a first step.
1: So far, just to recap, she goes, miss, she shows up in Najami's party. Najami, who's not really her friend. <laughs> it was probably complicit in all this. Um, just gives the detail that she was wearing her period sweatpants and said that was very odd to be wearing in public. It is unless your husband is throwing fists at you and you're getting to an unwanted boxing ring with him. Then, yeah, it's a little unwanted, right? So that happens. Then she actually goes missing February 1st, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Durst claims he was putting her on a train to Manhattan, which clearly is a contradiction because um she was... I don't even know. Like, they don't even give the full story. So that's weird. Then her cottage is ransacked and her belongings thrown into the trash. Coincidentally, similar, similarly to what happened at their actual apartment that only they lived in together <laughs> with the doorman who wasn't really there. And the superintendent who was probably doing below in the back room claimed they saw her from behind weirdos. Number one, that's not a great way to just say, I saw somebody <laughs> Num- yeah. number five. And like the reason number five, they were lying for whatever reason, I guess they, we're trying to get Mr. I don't even know what they were doing. I guess they just like the attention. So, all these things are so you have two sets of belongings in the trash in this the same way, a cottage ransacked, a person with full of a contradictory testimony and an alibi that doesn't make any sense dating somebody and not batting an eye when your wife is apparently missing reducing the um the reward from 100 grand which is great you can buy like one playstation 5 for that (laughs) and then reducing it down to 15k which is only like a game if you want to do a modern comparison they didn't have video games in 1999 they didn't have an internet so there were video games but okay continue (laughs) (laughs) and anyway don't interrupt me (laughs) so anyway this is not how how can you not you don't need to be a lawyer to know he's guilty like you know like how do you just oh man
0: oh so they should have had him at the alibi yeah they really should have but this was more or less the end of that case for now so fast forward 18 years and what do you know something similar happens to someone else Durst is close to and we're talking about the case of Susan Berman which Trent you could read this one.
1: Okay, thank you, it's an honor, an absolute pleasure to read about a serial killer. Susan Berman, a longtime friend or amigo, if you're of the Spanish persuasion, of Durst, who have facilitated his public alibi after McCormick's disappearance, was the daughter of David Berman. A reputed gangster who in the late 1940s operated the Flamingo Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh my God, this could could not be any more... This has to be the easiest case ever. You don't have to be a lawyer, jury member, judge, whatever. You, You can be a normal Joe from Kansas that just knows easily guilty. I mean, having connections like gangs and then them reaffirming. I'm assuming the daughter's involved a little bit maybe I don't know there's no other alibi for her but they're reaffirming your alibi and they probably have connections to the police little fishy if you ask me Hmm. think about it on December 24th 2000 Berman was found murdered execution style whoa now that sounds gangster as (laughs) shit execution like i'm assuming like gun to the head kind of execution we talk about yeah so the about... the
0: documentary talks about how like back of the head like she was like kneeling on the ground back of the head type thing that's like some... that's
1: messed up yeah that's some like rival gang shit right there what is going but
0: on it, i mean if he i don't know if he was smart enough to know this but to try to make it look like so it was a game thing that like someone in a game that did it like to get to her dad or whatever?
1: Maybe. I mean that would be a really smart way of doing approaching that, right? Yeah, but we've already established this man is not smart. So well, I assume execution style didn't mean like guillotine, right? I mean well
0: <laughs> what nineteen nineties gangsters do you know that were running around with guillotines lopping off heads
1: like <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> anyway, continue. In her home in Benedict Canyon, Los Angeles, California so her dad's from Las Vegas, Nevada, and she lives in Los Angeles, California. Uh, maybe she is connected. I don't know. After her neighbor called the police to report that her door was open and one of her fox terriers was loose, a few days later, a letter addressed to the Beverly Hills de- Police Department. <laughs> the Beverly, oh, the Beverly Hills Police Department. <laughs> the postmarked December twenty third, contained Berman's addressing the word cadaver. On the envelope Beverly was misspelled as Beverly. Yeah, so it was misspelled there is an extra E before
0: the Y. Um. Durst is known to have been in north Northern California days before Berman was killed, and to have flown from San Francisco to New York the night before Berman's body was discovered. Berman had recently received fifty thousand dollars from Durst in two payments. Although Durst confirmed to the Los Angeles Police Department that he had sent Berman $25,000 and faxed investigators a copy of her 1982 deposition regarding his missing wife, he declined to be further questioned about the murder. Durst stated in the 2005 deposition that Berman called him... Shortly before her death, to say that the LAPD wanted to talk to her about McCormick's disappearance. Mm. So, essentially, what happens in case that wasn't clear, Susan Berman was close with Durst and perhaps knew something about McCormick's disappearance. Um, I've it, it's in the documentary, it seemed more clear that like she was aware of it she was like complicit um so she lets Robert Durst know that the police are coming to and ask her questions about McCormick and then conveniently the next day she's Kill found it. dead.
1: well, it said she when in the beginning of this par like this little section about her it said facilitated his public alibi. Meaning like she confirmed that it's true or that she told him what to say, that kind of thing, like created the alibi for him.
0: I think she said he was with her or something. Make it him seem like clean. She helped his alibi in that sense.
1: Yeah, she must have. She must have known and for some reason didn't want to turn him in or like you said, complicit in this because they're definitely making it seem like it. And obviously he thought that she was going to squeal because he she got fucking executed basically.
0: Yeah, he obviously didn't trust her. Um, So.
1: What fun, (laughs) what fun it must be to be friends like these, except you don't know who these kinds of people are. You don't know if you're friends with a crazy fucker like this.
0: Well, yeah, you never really know. So basically, there's not enough evidence to convict durst of this crime at this point. Um it seems likely, but I mean it's it's like confusing because it could have been gain related since her dad was so involved in that world, so it just goes unsolved. And now we're gonna be moving on to the next one, uh, Morris Black. So on October 9th two thousand one, Durst was arrested in Galveston shortly after body parts belonging to his elderly neighbor, Morris Black, were found floating in Galveston Bay. He re- was released on. Uh, $250,000 bail missed a court hearing on October 16th and a warrant was issued for his arrest on a charge of bail jumping so basically what happened was um, the body parts of this guy was found he was charged or like he was arrested under suspicion of murder and he just didn't show up for the court date so he skips town um, and then he was found just wandering around Wegmans, And you know what got him caught? Mm-mm, I have no clue. Is he was caught because he stole a sandwich. Think- uh, so then the police came <laughs> and were like, wait a second. People
1: have been looking for you. <laughs> a sandwich. Though he had $500 cash in his pocket.
0: Yeah. So he was caught trying to shoplift band-aids, a newspaper, and a chicken salad sandwich. I'm getting the
1: vibes from like from the move to just robbing a Wegmans because he can is that he was very so tired of living being being born with a silver spoon in his mouth that he took that spoon. And he stole a fucking chicken sandwich. Like... The, the craziest
0: he, part of this whole thing is that he stole a sandwich, but he had $500 in his pocket. He, like
1: He had more than enough to buy multiple sandwiches. Oh, you don't say... <laughs> yeah, Mr. Durst. You had more that You could have bought the entire deli at that point. It's just like... Of all the things... <laughs> I think he's definitely just... He went crazy because he was like, ooh, look at me. I'm rich and I can do whatever the fuck he, I want. I
0: mean... Presumably, he just was like, "Oh, I just got away with murder." I can bet I can steal a sandwich, and then he gets caught for stealing a sandwich. Yeah,
1: <laughs> You're kind Uh-oh. of a low bar there.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and what's even crazier is that the police, like the they came and they checked his rental car, and they found thirty seven thousand dollars. Like, not only did he have five hundred dollars, but he had another thirty seven thousand dollars just in his car. Like, he was fine; he didn't need to steal anything. He also had two guns. Um, marijuana, and here's the kicker he had Black's driver's license. The guy that met, went missing that he was accused of murdering. <laughs> why don't you? That's a bad look.
1: <laughs> why didn't you use the guns, Durst? That would have been a lot better for robbing for a chicken sandwich. You could have just grabbed in and gone out of there. <laughs> marijuana. Um, Is this how he got caught? Because he had the like driver's license? That has to be like so, the condemning. There's no way I you can mean, get off of that. That
0: was pretty bad, but um. So, there was a trial in 2003. Um, the prosecution for this trial presented the jury with only uh, premeditated first-degree murder and no less murder or manslaughter charges. So, basically, what happened was they hurt themselves with the charges that they brought against him. Because they said, listen, this guy, this was first-degree murder. He had... And do you know first... Do you know, like... This will be interesting. Let's look at, like, what different classes of murder are so
1: is it only you murdered one person and then second is two and then third is three is that how that works
0: so third degree murder which is also the same as manslaughter um is an unplanned unintentional killing that is not part of another felony Um, so there's voluntary and involuntary voluntary um is where you do something that you know is going to physically harm someone but in doing that they die even though you weren't, like, intending for them to die, necessarily. Mm. Um, and then involuntary is, like, if... Like, you fall and push someone off a ledge by accident, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they die. That's involuntary, man. Because, yes, you are the reason that that person died, but it wasn't planned, it was involuntary, it just happened. Um, so then second-degree murder is um, an unplanned, intentional killing. So, like... The difference between voluntary manslaughter and second-degree murder is that when you're fighting the person or whatever, you're trying to kill them. So Robert Durst wasn't charged with any of that. He was charged with first-degree murder, um, which is premeditated intentional killings. So, yes, so basically the problem with this whole thing was that Robert Durst was only charged with first-degree murder not manslaughter anything because they can stack up the charges and charge him for a bunch of different things and just try to get something to stick but the um the prosecutor was so sure that this was a open and shut case like clearly it was him like um that they just went for first degree murder and the craziest thing was that robert dirt's defense didn't deny that at all they said Yes, he killed him and dismembered his body. Because I don't know if that was clear before. He was dismembered. Um, Robert Durst cut this man to pieces and put him in a bunch of different trash bags and threw him into a lake. Mm -hmm. Um, He confessed to all of it. He was like, yes, I did do that. But what they did was they switched it into a self-defense case. It's more like uh, involu- or like voluntary manslaughter.
1: The guy's corpse was trying to kill him, so he dismembered him.
0: <laughs> it was crazy because, like, clearly you're not... Like, dismembering someone is, like, just even worse. Like, that's- Your
1: Honor, I had to make sure Mr. Black was actually dead, so I cut his body in the tiny little pieces. Possibly yeah, so- ate a couple.
0: So like so Durst claimed Black his neighbor was like a cranky and confrontational loner and that he grabbed his 22 caliber target pistol from its hiding place and threatened him with it During the struggle for the pistol the pistol discharged shooting Black in the face During cross examination Durst admitted to using a paring knife two saws and an axe to dismember Black's body before bagging and dumping his remains in Galveston Bay. Black's head was never recovered, so prosecutors were unable to present sufficient forensic evidence to dispute Durst's account of the struggle. As a result of lack of forensic, the jury acquitted Durst of murder. So there. So they couldn't find his head, and like his claim was that the gun accidentally went off and shot him in the face. Mm-hmm. So if they would have found his head, they could have done more forensics to, like, verify whether or not that was true. So since they couldn't, the jury was like, well, there's not enough evidence to prove him guilty. And because America innocent until proven guilty, they were like, we don't have enough to...
1: I think like, the the driver's license and the fact he dismembered him would say otherwise. It might not be condemning, but it is extremely suspicious behavior. Extreme. And, like,
0: so the thing was, Uh, Durst pleaded guilty to two counts of bail jumping and one count of evidence tampering for dismembering Black's body. Um, As part of a plea bargain, he received a sentence of five years and was given credit for time served, requiring him to serve three years in prison. Durst was paroled on July 15, 2005. The rules of his release required him to stay near his home. Permission was required to travel. That December, Durst made an unauthorized trip to the boarding house where Black had been killed and to a nearby shopping mall. At the mall, he ran into former Galveston trial judge Susan Chris, who had presided over his trial. Due to this incident, the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles determined that Durst had violated the terms of his parole and returned him to jail. He was released again from custody on March 1, 2006. Uh, The judge, when she was asked to comment about whether or not she believed Durst was the one that murdered Black, or whether he murdered him or it was self-defense or whatever, um, she said, You could see that this person knew what they were doing and it was not a first time. The body was cut perfectly like a surgeon who knew how to use this tool on this bone and a certain kind of tool on that muscle. It looked like not a first time job. That was pretty scary. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow. The prosecution must have really fumbled the ball on this one if they lost this case somehow. You have the dismembered body, the perfect cuts, the driver's license, the everything. All the cards are stacked up. You, this should be a ball, like a cakewalk for these guys. Get your money from the district attorney or the you know, county, whatever, from the state go on a nice cruise to Lollapalooza or whatever the fuck. You know, this should have been a home run. This, this is also just proves that, like, serial killers in general, the only reason they get caught and they ever get convicted is because they fuck up themselves. They know, It's not because of some badass, you know, NCIS cop that, like, comes in and busts through the door and saves the day before the girl gets sawed in half. It's always because they messed up like because <laughs> they steal like a you'll chicken see. salad sandwich <laughs> yeah, exactly like you'll see in this trial <laughs> it's only because of mr durf being a dumbass and overextending a little bit that he gets caught
0: yeah and so he basically got away with that but see that wasn't the first time that he had been around a circumstance like that there was these three cases that were all happening about the same time mm-hmm. his wife disappeared his best friend was executed and his next door neighbor his body was found like, and they all were trying to build up cases against him, and they all thought that the Galveston one was going to work, but then it ended up not. So now he's just free. Um, he's been acquitted of everything. He did his time for the dismemberment and um, jumping bail. But that was it, until there was a film... So. Because the events surrounding Durst inspired, it's, this is what Wikipedia says: the events surrounding Durst inspired the 2010 film *All Good Things*, the title of which is a reference to a health food store of the same name set up by Durst and his wife in 1970s. David Marks, the character based on Durst, was portrayed by Ryan Gosling, and his wife Kathy was portrayed by Kirsten Dunst. Um, shortly after its theatrical release, Robert Durst saw the film. And contacted director Andrew Jarecki, expressing admiration for the film, which evolved into discussions between the two of them being included on the DVD video release, and eventually resulting in Jarecki co-writing, co-producing, directing, and appearing in the 2015 HBO six-part documentary series about Durst, titled *The Jinx*. So this—that's this documentary series. You should go watch it if you haven't. Um, Basically, it goes over all the evidence in way more detail than we did and talks about each of the different cases that were built. Um, Yeah, so the documentary detailed the disappearance of McCormick, Berman's subsequent death, and the killing of Black. Um, Against the advice of his lawyers and his wife, Deborah Lee Cheriton, Durst gave multiple interviews and allowed unrestricted access to his personal records to the filmmakers. Um the FBI arrested Durst in New Orleans, on the same day as the final episode was broadcast. Isn't that crazy? So, um, a spoiler alert, by the way. If, if you want to watch it and don't want to know what happens, you should stop listening now because we're going to spoil what happened. Although we kind of already did. He got arrested. But, um, yeah, so the way that this documentary ends is in the very last episode, they find a piece of evidence. So, remember, um, how... It said they, the note that they got that said, like, uh, Susan's address and the word cadaver. Um, Beverly was spelled wrong in her address. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when the filmmakers were looking through his personal documents, there was a letter that was addressed to... I believe, I believe it was a letter addressed to Susan where Beverly was spelled wrong as well. So...
1: Uh, and the hand, They had a
0: guy that came and checked the handwriting And it like matched And what put the nail on the coffin is So they had been trying to get him to come in Because they wanted to confront him in person They were trying to get him but he just wasn't Like he kept backing out and wasn't sure Because his lawyers were like Dude you're free Well you have no reason to keep doing this <laughs> So um, he came Finally and they Like got into a normal conversation We're getting warmed up and then out of nowhere, they presented that to him, the envelope with Beverly and the one that also had like the cadaver thing written on it. And then they showed him a picture of just both of the words Beverly. And they asked him which one he wrote. And he couldn't tell them which one he wrote. He was like, so which, one, which one's yours? And he was like, I don't know and it was bad because like think about it if he would have said that one and it would have been the wrong one mm-hmm. that's it so he just said he didn't know but he was just like yeah they basically looked the same at one point it's kind of what he said <laughs> and i could see how someone could maybe think that that was that they were made by the same person but clearly they weren't something like that so and this is really iconic at this point the documentary ends durst goes to the bathroom um His microphone is still on, unbeknownst to him. So I'm going to read verbatim what he was caught saying. So he says, There it is. You're caught. You're right, of course, but you can't imagine. Arrest him. I don't know what's in the house. Oh, I want this. What a disaster. He was right. I was wrong. And the burping. I'm having difficulty with the question. What the hell did I do? Killed them all, of course.
1: And, like, he's just, like,
0: muttering this to himself in the bathroom. Like, saying, of course this guy's right. Of course the interviewer is right. Like, obviously this is what happened. But. Yeah. It
1: was obvious, (laughs) Durst. You're absolutely right. The entire time it was very obvious. With the killings, the belongings being the trash, the cottage getting trash, the fact that you were the last person to see your wife before she allegedly disappeared and ran away. All of that is very suspicious, and it doesn't help they found the letter evidence.
0: Yeah, the letter is really just what did it mean. Like, there's no getting around that. So, yeah, isn't that crazy? So,
1: Durst ended up getting... um, Oh, there's a mention of the um, letter evidence you were talking about by the Associated Press reported that the, a March 1999 letter from Durst to Berman discovered by her stepson turned over to the filmmakers during their research provided key new evidence, as in damning evidence, leading to the fil- uh, filling of murder charges against Durst. Violent. Yeah. Or <laughs> violent, sorry. A little far away.
0: Um, okay, so yeah, during the production of the Jenks, producers Andrew Jarecki, Mark Smerling, and Zach Stewart Pontier... Realized the information and interviews with Durst uncovered potential criminal evidence and they felt obligated to deliver it to the Los Angeles County District Attorney's office. The new information led to Durst's indictment for the first-degree murder of Susan Berman. So it says in August 2019 a wrongful death lawsuit against Durst filed by another McCormick another of McCormick's sisters Carol Bamote, was dismissed on the grounds that she had waited too long to file the suit. So that's like um, it was no longer the statute of limitations had passed, mm-hmm. which is crazy that, oh, they died so long ago, we can't even do anything about it anymore. That's ridiculous to me. Well, why'd um, she wait? That's a good question, too. So in 2018, U.S. Court of Appeals had already revised the exact date of McCormick's death to match the day she actually disappeared in January 1982. On May 17, 2021, Westchester County District Attorney Mimi Rocha announced that McCormick's disappearance had been reclassified as a murder and would be reinvestigated. In October 2021, the Westchester County, New York District Attorney's Office announced they would epinol a grand jury to explore charges against Durst in the disappearance of Durst's first wife, Kathleen McCormick. Durst was officially charged on October 22nd 2021 in her death. Guilty. Yeah. Yeah. It's about time. So essentially he, the trial or well, he was arrested in 2015. Um, yeah. And so he was arrested. He was eventually convicted. Um, and he was sentenced to jail. I believe that happened last year in 2021. Mm-hmm. He was finally convicted. Um, but then we found out he passed away in January of
1: 2022 um, uh, in, in the hospital. So that's apparently he was only three foot eight, <laughs> according to his mug shot, according to
0: his mug shot. It is does say he's three foot eight, but that's not correct. Yeah. So Durst was convicted of the murder in 2021 and sentenced to life in prison without parole. He was charged with McCormick's disappearance shortly after his sentencing, but died in 2022 before
1: a trial could begin. That just goes to prove, once again, I'll say it again, I will always say it, they only get themselves caught. He did not have to get interviewed, he did not have to do any of that. So joke's on you, Durst.
0: (laughs) It's just crazy that he got away with it for so long and yeah i don't know it's wild
1: ted bundy got away with his murders for a while zodiac killer was on they only suspect somebody like a couple years ago we're hopeless man it was you could get away with murder a lot easier you should, as long as you had a vata acid and some gloves you're good baby <laughs> don't wild you know don't worry about a thing but that was the story of robert durst which is
0: crazy and it's just strange to think that this happened so recently.
1: A lot of things we think would a long time ago happen recently. That's the, I joke about this with my dad sometimes, but like he's every time he makes like a boomer like a boomer statement like, You guys are always on your phones, you're always you know, blah blah blah. You know the technology <laughs> shit. I'm like, Well it was your generation that had all the serial killers, so who's really at fault here? You guys are so busy licking the lead out of the paint on the walls that you've had some fucked up minds back in the seventies. Um oh, you guys are to blame, you know. <laughs> he's point. like, oh, he's like oh okay and he just waddles away so
0: waddles away <laughs> your dad's not even that old what are you <laughs> no
1: no he he walks away but yeah it is cool sometimes to go over these stories and or in this case how the fuck did you not know he was guilty back in 2000 man i mean come on <laughs> it was so obvious like just from the get-go
0: but yeah it's wild that like he was able to get away with it even then when, like, all the evidence was just so bad and, like, so clearly pointing to him. Um, yeah, so hope that you enjoyed us doing a little bit of, like, a crime review thing. Probably be a little while before we do another one of these, but next time we're thinking about maybe talking about, like, Jack the Ripper or something, so that would be fun to go over and talk about. So, so yeah, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll, we hope to see you in the next one. Yeah, guys,
1: we'll uh And then you play the